another great episode of the podcast coming at you today. Man, we've got a good one. We're going to talk about a topic that can be disruptive for some, that can be shameful for others, that can be really exciting for some, and frankly, some just don't know how to track with it based on their family of origin, their background, their backdrop, or just plain how you're doing right now on your goals. What are we talking about today? Money. We have these twin engines at Stay Forth. We talk about impact and income. Now, I have to say, this is a polarizing conversation that many say it's all about impact and we shouldn't even be thinking about the money. I don't even want to talk about money. I've been there for parts of my life. I see the weaknesses in that. And frankly, some of you are coming from that perspective where you do need to think about money because you need to think about sustainability in terms of what you're doing, your organization, maybe you raise funds, maybe you uh, are a coach, maybe you make money in your small business, you're a solopreneur, you're an investor, um, wherever you're at, you need to be thinking about the income piece of that. But I love how Melissa approaches this conversation. And she talks about purpose or impact, that our impact is the thing we're focused on, we're serving people well in this world, you know, that we curate our guests very, very carefully here for this podcast. And so looking at Melissa's story, she's a person of faith, grew up in a tough background around money, watched her mom both pray and struggle, has seen quite a bit of success in corporate America, and now leads other people to and through that success. And her mindset has had to shift. So we focus a lot around mindset here, her practices, and even talking about monetizing your purpose. She touches on that, which is something that may rub you the wrong way. But for me, I believe it's so important because if we have a purpose, we dedicate most of our week to it, but we don't know how that's going to pay the bills. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have issues pop back up with it. Here's what I know. We all have underlying beliefs about money that are holding us back. And it's been so freeing to talk more about money, to talk more with my clients. Shout out to my coaching clients. I love you guys. And we do talk about impact and income. We talk about percentages. We talk about goals. And we want to be wise stewards, but we have a purpose. We have one life. We have a limited amount of time that we can invest in that. And yet there's so much potential we haven't even tapped in those areas. So I love this conversation. I personally learned a lot. You can go in the show notes, visit Melissa her site, what she does and learn from her. She even has a documentary out. I want to remind you that we do coaching here, that we are primarily a coaching organization. And while we host experiences and uh, we host this podcast, really what we're about is helping leaders to get healthy and reach sustainable impact. We primarily do that through coaching, one-on-one coaching. I love my coaching clients. We also have Matt who's a leadership coach, Chad, who's a sabbatical coach, And we'll often refer out to others if we don't have the correct fit for you. But what we do is we help leaders to clarify what's your next right step. Maybe before that, what's the obstacle that you are facing right now? And what we want to do is get people moving in the right direction. There is not such a thing as perfect, but there is progress. We do not know the final destination where we will land, and yet we can move in that direction. Guys, we're seeing freedom and victory. We're seeing networks built out of that. We're seeing people do something for the first time they've never done before. We've got several clients starting to write a book, starting to take on projects that scare them. And yet, as their clarity has gone up, their overwhelm has come down and they're executing. They are doing the right things, which we call lead measures. And they are seeing the right things fall in place afterwards with impact on other people and the income it produces that we call 
lag measures. If that resonates with you, we want to offer you a free breakthrough coaching session. We'd love to break through one area of your life or leadership. Just shoot us an email at hello at stayforth.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at S-T-A-Y-F-O-R-T-H.com. We love serving business leaders. We love serving nonprofit leaders, and we love serving ministry leaders. No matter what kind of influencer you are, if you have influence, you are a leader, and we would love to invest a breakthrough session to you. Friends, what you do matters too much to the world to stifle it, and your health matters to you, to your family, to your team, to your organization, to your group of friends. This thing called leading matters too much to do it in a way that's unhealthy. We want you, don't want you to burn out. We don't want you to flame out in the meantime. In fact, we want you to land on your purpose and feel so much of the passion that I get to feel and experience our other coaches do and those that we serve here at Stay Forth. We would love to invest in you. Well, we better get on to the interview. This is Melissa Hughes. She's doing some amazing things. We talk about purpose, money, her own story, and what's holding us back. Hang on till the end. She gives some seriously good advice about gaps that most people have when they think about money. Enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Melissa Hughes. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Great to be here, Alan. So happy to be here with you. Man, I'm excited to dive in. Uh, guru of implementation, some have called you. You're talking about monetizing your purpose. Uh, Money is obviously a big deal in life. How did you get interested in this topic, in this niche? Well, you know, money is a big thing, but the thing is, I really love abundance, which includes money, but I found that um, I don't encourage working for money. I encourage working for your purpose and your divine assignment, and when done correctly, the money will come, and that's what makes life really rich, and so um, I came about that because I grew up in like kind of in quotes, uh, corporate America and made a lot of money, but it was not fulfilling for me. Uh, I thought it was a great training ground to know what it looks like to create, like to, to do really well in business. But as far as feeling that I was doing the, the most impactful, living the most impactful life in my, in my life, I was feeling, um, empty and not fulfilled in that regard. And so I think earlier on, I realized that, you know, money is important, um, but it's not the most important. And when you follow the most important, which is staying in impact, um, being in service, utmost service in the spirit of excellence to make a difference in humanity, then that's when the real abundance shows up for you, including the money. I'm curious for you, Melissa, do you think you could have gotten to where you're at without that pathway where you did make a lot of money and realized that it's good, it's just not enough? Oh, absolutely. Because it didn't start there. <laughs> I was okay. raised by a single mom and she, you know, for the most part, she was, she raised us four girls, at the t three girls at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, what I found, that's where I kind of felt like, you know, she, I tell her she's the first manifester I ever met. Uh, she's the generation she's a part of in, in our religion, like our origin of religion is Christianity. I don't really talk about manifestation that much back in the day. Um, so she doesn't really hold the badge, but I do remember, um, the times where, you know, my family came from Jamaica, my mom and my dad, and I was born here in the United States, and then they end up getting a divorce. And so my mom was left raising three girls by herself. 
uh, during that time, that's when, um, you know, she prayed a lot. I mean, that's how we were able to get yeah. in the right schools. She made all the sacrifices. You know, she, I saw her praying and crying for things to work out for us. And while I didn't learn how to manage money from my mom, I definitely learned the importance of prayer and trusting in your faith and knowing that it's bigger than you. And as a result of seeing her and her accomplishments through that, even though there was a lot of struggle, I was able to really be solidified um, with understanding that it's bigger than the money. It's really the purpose and, and working for, I call God with the term endearment, boss of all bosses. So working for the boss of all bosses, um, that's opportunities, yes, yeah. <laughs> then, um, then, then beautiful things can arise. You can get the money, but you can also get the fulfillment. You can look out for yourself and get from a place of overflow as you're serving in the world. Is your mom still alive? Yes, my mother is still alive. Last year, my grandparents passed away, which I will say were the initial seeds that were planted in my soul. My grandfather was the first entrepreneur that I ever met. And my grandmother was the most spiritual person still to date that I've ever met in person. And so those were the seeds that were planted with me. And my mom obviously benefited. And so, so do I. So grandparents that are listening, just realize <laughs> the importance you you play in the part of your generations to come. It's, it's paramount. That's good. Melissa, my my grandpa uh, is 96. My grandmother passed away. He got married on his 96th birthday last week. I actually got to watch him get remarried. And that that narrative goes in your story that he's still young and spry for 96. And yes, uh, yes, yes. It's beautiful yes. to watch that. And yet some people listening and saying that's where a lot of their bad beliefs, wrong beliefs about money have come from, even about prayer or even about finances um, and what they do, what's underneath them, scarcity or abundance mindset. So it's so important, listeners, to say there's a story behind your story, um, family of origin and where this has come from. Money is an incredibly emotional topic, as you know, Melissa. Yeah. Um, everything we do here, and one reason I wanted to say yes to this interview is at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical. And so yes. you're talking about prayer. God, intercede, give us uh, this money to get by today, our daily bread, our daily rent, our daily Costco bills, whatever that is. Um, and then there's the hard work and the strategy and all that. How do you reconcile where the spiritual and the practical fit around money? Well, the thing about it is I don't even see it because of my life. I don't even see it. I see it all in flow. And so first and foremost, I don't, even when we, even when I didn't have any money, I didn't pray for my rent to be covered. I prayed for the next generation to know that it's okay to be wealthy and wise and be a good person. And I found that when I, like, I feel like God can't give you more than what you can handle. So while we're praying for the rent, let's pray for something bigger that rent will be taken care of, right? And when you're paying for guidance, yes, you have to do your part. Um, you know, what you ask for, oftentimes we ask all these things, but then when we realize, well, oh, I got to do something like, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like it's not just going to show up. We have to show up just as much for what we want than what we want that actually wants us to, but they have to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. So the practical thing is to number, number one, um, you know, it's great to get the bills covered today, but we're going to be banking on the fact that if we'll be blessed with tomorrow, let's, let's think of something bigger than that so that God can fill our container in a much greater way. Um, but we are, if we're only asking for today, we're going to get today. <laughs> but what about asking for the next generation? What about asking for 10 years from now? What about asking for and stepping into the abundance that truly is available? I believe that abundance is your birthright. So that's one thing. 
And then when you ask for it, then you have to be open to, you know, I always say uh, prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. We have to listen. You know, if I said, hey, I want to get this, I want to be able to build this nonprofit organization so it serves these kids and this in, you know, the, the, the streets of Brooklyn or something of that nature, I'm making it up. Well, what does it need to look like? What do I need to do to stand in that powerfully? How do I get those donors? How do I tell the story? How do I bring people into the vision so that they're just enrolled? Not only the kids, but also the parents and also the people that are going to be supporting the funding or the grants. What does that need to look like? So with the vision and with what we ask for, we're asking for provisions, but God can't give us those provisions if we're not ready. And what I find that happens sometimes, which really freaks people out and then they make money wrong is if you're asking to be a millionaire, Getting that too soon will break you. God cares about you enough to not break you. What he's going to tell you to do is he's going to release some information that you need to know to prepare you for what you're asking for. And that's where the ugly shows up, the hard shows up. No, it didn't mean that the blessings are not coming, but you have to get things out of the way to truly be able to receive what you're asking for. And you got to be willing to do that work to be able to get the get the, get the blessings that you're really asking for. What would and be I feel like that's examples. the part that we like what would be well, some examples would, of that kind of ugly, like, oh man, here's what I need to deal with now before that. Yeah. So like so an example could be you're saying, hey, I want to serve these kids in Brooklyn. And God might be like, okay, but what are we doing with your kids right now? Tommy needs this. Tommy needs your emotional commitment. What are we doing with your health and your wellness? You know, you serving the whole city. Um, that will compromise your being. So why don't we have something, an emergency pop-up, unfortunately, that leads you to the doctor for them to tell you, look, dude or lady, you're going to need to do this to make sure your health is in alignment. That oftentimes is taken as, oh, that's awful. But no, that's to prepare us for what we're going to need to be as the giants that we serve giants. So giants get those messages to support us in cleaning up. Or it might be, oh, I want a divorce. <laughs> because you yeah. said you wanted to do this. This yeah. is not the partner that's in alignment with your future. So while it's tragic and you might have to clean it up, either figure it out, clean it up, do what you need to do yeah. to prepare yeah. you for moving into your vision. Anything can happen. Cars can break down all these things, but it always leads you to where you want to go. But we oftentimes interpret it differently. And we think that that's a no. It was a hell yes. Mm. And this is what we need to do. This is what God, boss of all bosses, will send, whether it be the angels, whether it be the friends, whether it be the tragedies or the traumas to support you in clearing the space to truly show up for what you really want, because it is a responsibility regardless. Sure. What was one of those messages that you got that you had to pay attention to now before the then? Oh, yes. Um, so let me give you an example. I mean, there's so many, gosh, really. So it's <laughs> I'll tell you one. I just came out with a documentary, Live Rich, Spread Wealth documentary. I'm a founder of a movement. It's called Live Rich, Spread Wealth. And um, on the way to this documentary, I mean, it was probably two years in the making. The movie probably took about six months. But my life with COVID, all of us were braced with that uh, pandemic, um, you know, world pandemic. I had health issues I had to take care of. I was okay, like pandemic, my bath, my master's in healthcare policy administration. I knew about health epidemics and all that. I got it. Financial epidemic, I got it. I'm familiar with that. No issue there. 
But when the racial pandemic <laughs> ended up being heightened, mm. I would say that almost took me out. I had to get um, a counselor. I had to do these things. I made it through and I, I found it important for me to seek the support that I needed because I support people that are phenomenal. I support giants that are serving big in the world. So I needed to take full responsibility as to what my state of affairs need to look like in order to continue on that trajectory. It's an honor for doing what we do, right, Alan? Yeah. I mean, we get yeah. to serve some really Incredible. great people. So yeah. with keeping the humbleness around that, I had to do my part and it was awful. You know, but at the same time, you know, fast forward, then I get to look back, oh my gosh, I made it through all that, like the confidence builder through all that awfulness, all that muck, you know, it increased my faith, it increased my confidence in myself and my ability to serve. All my clients made more in the pandemic than ever, but we were servant leaders. We didn't stop. We didn't hide. We said, hey, if there was a problem with relationships before the pandemic, oh my gosh, they're tanking now. If there was confusion around a career before, oh, it's a lot of confusion then. So there was no less work to do. There's actually more work because as far as humanity, it pinched us more than ever. Mm -hmm. um, our souls, our capacity, everything. So when I now was now faced with actually doing the documentary, I went in with so much more resilience. My conversation was so much cleaner, so much tighter. The clarity was laser because of the trauma and the and the situations I dealt with in the process. That's such a great example. I'm, uh, I feel the same way. It's a stewardship to get to do what we do. Yes. And yes. you know, leadership is influence. It's also a stewardship and say, man, uh, when we have influence, uh, how do we make sure that there isn't something in me that I'm sort of spreading to the, the people that I'm coaching that they're picking up on? And so I um, sought counseling at 26 months of counseling, so grateful for it. Um, and I probably would have limped through um, without it. But man, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be um, at a spot to to look at it. Also, financially, I had to pay attention to some things as well. I was not ready for a major bottom to drop out. I trusted that when you have contracts, things are just going to happen. Uh, oh, yeah, that, line, right? yeah. And so <laughs> that was so, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for it. It was the worst and best yeah. of times I needed it. Right. Um, and those are also stories that we've got um, to be able to share with other people. Um, when we Absolutely. say it was never easier to, to go, hey, have you sought counseling? I'm in counseling and it's been incredible. Or have you built up a plan? Have you built up emergency savings? Have you thought about you know, having conversations with trusting friends, whatever that is, if you're listening, you have work to do. And I like that idea that here's the message. Maybe it's whispered right now before um, it's going to be yelled in your ear later on. I love that. Um, take me back to the middle of the story. So we've got little Melissa growing up uh, in, in this environment that was probably good and very challenging for you. We've got Melissa now. What are a couple of snapshots of the middle of the story that are important for us to know? Well, I think that's what's important. Well, first of all, before we move out of that, for those of the, your listeners that are listening, I was never really good at asking for help. So I'm just going to give something real quick. Before the pandemic even happened, and I obviously none of us could have really predicted that truly, um, I had an affirmation that I took on without even knowing what we were getting into. And the affirmation was, God supports me above and beyond whatever I can imagine. That took me off the hook. I didn't have to be an expert in knowing how to <laughs> ask all the questions because I realized even if I had a need, sometimes I couldn't articulate what the need is because I'm yeah. so used to being 
the giver, the provider of everything. I didn't know that language. So that's just one thing. And so let's move on to the middle, middle Melissa. So um, I'm the oldest, my mom's, my mother's oldest. And, um, you know, I actually saw her try to do businesses. She was raising three girls by herself. She's trying to make ends meet. She was trying to do her career and do things on the side. And while I was uh, seeing what she was doing, I was so excited because she was so enthusiastic. I was also just as disappointed when her, her, her plans did not work out. And it really planted another seed in my soul, which was, you know, I wanted to know how to take ideas and bring them to life how to make them viable. And that's what led me into corporate America. I would say that after being in corporate, I remember being in this hotel, really nice hotel, beautiful view out there. And I was like, what? This can't be forever after. This can't be my life because while it was so beautiful around me, I was on conference calls. I was dealing with people that I kind of like, halfway not respected. Um, I was living that corporate quote unquote dream, making the money, but dying inside. And I just you know, I felt like the more money I made is the more I'd have those titanium handcuffs. It was very suffocating. And I also felt a little shamed about how I was feeling because I was living the American dream. How dare I not feel um, uh, gratitude around that? And the reason why I didn't feel gratitude because I knew there was another, I knew that I could do more. And there was a little voice. I call it intuition. Somebody say discernment, Holy Spirit, that kept on nudging me and kept on saying, you know what? There is more. There is another way, but I will say I'm a thorough learner. <laughs> so, so I had to, I had to keep on hitting my head against the wall and doing what I thought was right. But one day that day I was so fed up. I said, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm just going to follow the voice because I know what this looks like. And, um, and I, and I'm willing to do something different. And that sent me on a, a journey, a lot of introspection, a lot of investing in what it looked like and, and to really listen to myself more. And, as a result, I do have this business now that I've had for 20 years plus now. I get to do the things that I want to do when I want to do them with who I want to do it with. And I get to, um, you know, really live a life that's totally fulfilled. And I never have to look back. My life that I live right now, I wouldn't even have known to ask for it. I didn't even know it was possible. So I would just say that that intuition has been a very powerful force in my life. And I would just say to you and anyone that's listening, trust that small voice. The voice actually doesn't care about the loud voices. It has no business. It it only focuses on the truth. It doesn't go away. It's consistent. And yes, there will be a lot of fear around that because it's not something that we're oftentimes taught to trust ourselves. (laughs) But it is worth it. And I've supported leaders and, 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 and entrepreneurs in being able to use intuition to make powerful choices in times of uncertainty with grace and ease and without second guessing themselves. That's something that I, that was the middle for me. That was the middle when I got the, oh, well, she's going to ask you, but she's going to do what she's going to do anyway. It wasn't that I was hard headed. I would take, seek advice from people. I do believe in data, but it had to resonate with me intuitively as well to, to, I wanted to find the total solution, you know? And I felt like that was something that really helped me as far as the middle. How does the scarcity mindset um, war with or interrupt the frequencies of our intuition? Oh, it's it disrupts it like a like like the the static on a radio station. <laughs> it disrupts it totally. So in scarcity, that's a belief system, and scarcity is either not good enough, um, there's not enough, there's lack, and so it's hard to step into abundance if you have this belief. Because I do believe, like they call the universe, the universe will never make you a liar. 
So whatever your belief is, that's what's going to show up for you over and over again. So you can say, I want to have more in my business. I want to earn more. But if you don't believe that there's enough or that there's, oh, there's so many, everybody's doing that. Where's their space for me? If you believe that there's always going to be a seat at the table for you, it's a different swagger, even in sales. If you're going to be in a sales conversation with someone and the first thing you're like, oh, I don't even know if they're going to have enough money or who's going to want to do business with me. These are thoughts. It's like the size of a mustard seed. Can... <laughs> but if you actually, before you go into that sales conversation and you said, I'm going to serve in the best way possible and my commitment and I'm and I step in there with the attitude that they're going to say yes. No, we don't know the future, but guess what? You could think that they're going to say no, or you can think that they're going to say yes. We don't know the future. I'm just sharing with you what will support you in stepping into your own life and your own business with power and with grace and ease. Because when you show up, if you know that this is a yes conversation, it's just my responsibility to serve them in the best way to serve them to their truth so that they understand these are their problems. And this is how I can support them in fixing that. Then that's totally different if you go into that same conversation with, well, I don't know if they're going to have the money. Maybe my prices are too high. Oh my gosh. Like it's a different conversation, which wouldn't, it doesn't mean you'll never make a sale, but it makes it so much harder. And you are going to lose out on sales with that mindset. Yeah. Fighting against ourselves in that. Um, other than there's not enough, they're going to say no. What are some other scripts or quotes that scarcity uh, likes to spit at us? Um, I would say that, you know, you're not prepared, you're a fraud. It's it's ego and fear, right? It's like you might say, you know, in your heart, you have a book to create, but that ego, well, who's going to want to read it? You can't afford to do a book. Who do you think you are? You know, it's like this whole situation. I, I call it the, the, everybody has them. I say the monsters escape the closet. Sometimes come out the closet. I mean, you're going and you're on purpose, you're on fire, you're on mission, but the monsters will escape the closet. My only request is don't have bonbons with the monsters. Don't sit and have popcorn and watch Netflix with the monsters. Say, okay, you done? Cause I'm still on fire. I'm still on purpose. I'm still moving forward. So please excuse me and get out my way as I move forward. I mean, it's something that we all as human beings deal with. So there's no right or wrong in that. It's just that um, it can show up in anything that will undermine your ability to move forward with, with grace and ease and with power and, and clarity. It will show up in, oh, these are 500 things you need to do to do that thing that you asked to do. When, when it creates confusion, it creates complexity. Intuition says, this is the next step. Call that person. Sit down and do this. It takes you one step at a time. It's not overwhelming. That's good. Yeah, progress over perfect is something we talk a lot about. Direction over destination. Take your next right step. And often it's a name. It's a who attached to that. It's, it's a, a yes. really simple text. It's an invitation. Um, and yes. learning to listen to that, we coach a lot of people into that. So I love that you're doing that as well. I know you've got a process. Um, describe a process that you walk people through um, on a regular basis. Yes, so I do. I Leverage for Wealth is actually uh, really being able to accept all of who you are, the quirky, the, the good, the bad, the, the experiences, your talents, and use that to support humanity in a positive way and then get out of your own room, out of your own way to make room for the abundance that that provides. So that's a journey and it's a process. The first thing it starts with is having the right mindset. So that abundant mindset is critical 
That's the first step because whatever you believe that's what's going to happen. So that's the first thing. The next thing is living your sole purpose in your business and in your life, that congruency, that purpose-driven walk, if you will. When you live your sole purpose, then you, you know, you can tap into your intuition because it comes with the manufacturing. We all have a soul. <laughs> and we all have intuition. It's all part of the packaging as a human being. So you want to be able to know what that looks like for you and to, to stay the course in that regard, knowing that it doesn't hold you hostage. You can always expand in your purpose. It's a beautiful thing. It'll never provide a virtual glass ceiling unless you allow it to, or you do it, not, not, your, not, not your purpose or your intuition. The next one is monetization. So that is definitely understanding, well, what's your offer? What's your packaging? What's your pricing? How do you communicate it? You know, whether you have a captive audience or not, you know, those are skills that need to be um, groomed and grown into. And, um, and then after that, it's systems. You want to lock it in systematically. You want to lock in what really works for you so you can scale and you can grow in that. And that ultimately provides you a freedom lifestyle. It provides you with, I call it time rich and profitable. Um, and, and, it, and it's what I have used in my life and I've coached people over the, next, over the last 20 years to do as well, to create the life that they love. And actually we all deserve. So um, mindset's key. And obviously when you talk about productization um, or monetization or systematization, all this kind of things, some people are like, oh, that's not me. But we got nonprofit leaders listening. We have ministry Absolutely. leaders listening. We got small business leaders listening. Yeah corporate leaders, solopreneurs, we are all selling something. And um, the question is what, the question is how does that connect all that? What are a couple of gaps that you see leaders have besides in the mindset, just a couple of gaps that you see many, many leaders having in that process you just described? Yeah, the, the some of the gaps, number one, is this relationship with money. Um, I do try to come alongside um, business owners and leaders in understanding that spirituality and finances do coincide. It, money is actually, it's just energy. It's whatever you put behind the energy. That's why I love for the givers, for the servant hearts in the world to have access to limitless resources and, and make a lot of money because those are the folks that are invited to those doors that everybody doesn't get behind. They're invited to the boards. They're making powerful decisions, but the givers, they think of people other than just themselves. That's why it's important for leaders to do what you need to do to disrupt the thought patterns and disrupt the mindset because we need you to be wealthy and be good. They do coincide amazingly, and it really is imperative to really support humanity. The, so that's one of the biggest gaps also. Um, another thing is understanding that you can have the results that you want, but unless you're willing to do the work and commit to the process, the results are not going to come. Um, if you focus on just the results and don't do the work, it's going to be dismal. If you focus on the process, then the results have no choice but to show up. Yep. So the process, as we kind of alluded to earlier, sometimes the process really has you stretch. It has you, have, it has you outside your comfort zone. And I think that we have to be comfortable being comfortable outside our comfort zone because that's where the miracles reside. And um, a lot of, there's, you know, having that control over so many things, I, I, I know a lot of stuff and I read this book and one of the things it said is, if you know how to get there, you're not dreaming big enough. I was like, what? <laughs> so, oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I had to make, I, that, the movement came after that because I didn't know how to impact 10 million people, but it drew me forward and it really challenged and stretched me. But that's where the magic was for me. 
Mm. Um, I think another gap is understanding that, you know, it's not our responsibility to guess what other people are up to and what other people can afford to do or don't do. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to serve in the spirit of excellence. Mm. Stay focused on your purpose, on your business. Do all the things that you need to do to hone your skills so that it's easy to articulate what you're up to. That's our responsibility. And it's our responsibility to be that lighthouse. So if you're looking to be profitable and successful, even in nonprofit, these are mission-based businesses, then you can't do that behind your desk. You can't do it in your familiar circle of friends and and close family and and close-knit ties. If you're really truly wanting to make a huge impact, it is your responsibility to shine your light, to get your message out there. I don't, the way that my, I look at my, I'm a CEO, I, I have to be fiscally responsible to my business. But the way that I do my financial goals is totally tied to impact. And I know that if I'm hiding, if I'm sitting down, nobody knows my name, no no one hears my voice, no one hears what my team's up to, that we're not going to meet those numbers because our dollars are based on the impacts that we're making in the world. I have them tied to it. And for for those leaders that are servant hearts that are totally uh, like really not about the money conversation, if I say I want to make two million this, I tie it to how many people do I need to serve? How many people do I need to touch? Knowing that everybody I serve and everybody I touch is not going to bring money to my business. But I know I need to put my net out that far Mm-hmm. To then be able to meet the goals, I serve. I say I serve everybody. God chooses my picks my clients for me. Yeah, but that's kind of where those numbers come from. So look at what are you looking to do in the world. I feel like that's something that people oftentimes get caught up in. You know, they get caught up in the angst of financially growing your business, um, and also when you're projecting out what you want to make. Like, oftentimes we will sell ourselves short. We'll charge too low. We'll think, oh, well, no one's going to buy it. If it. No, actually, if you want to have sustainability, you need to look at the finances. What does it cost you to run this nonprofit organization where people are whole? Right? You don't want to have a bunch of limping giants and limping people that are part of your movement around here. I feel like back in the day when I was working for someone else, the good bosses, if the people are doing well and the money's coming in, they're like, what do we need to do to help you, Melissa? What do you need a day off? What you need? Like it's like, and I'm like, well, if if a good boss does that, well, what do you think God's doing? Like, like the expectation is not for you to be a limping giant as you serve the world. You want, and and that's a mindset shift. Martyrdom is not sexy. So what can you do to truly answer your needs when it comes to health and well-being? When it comes to financial stability? When it comes to making sure your legacy is okay? It's okay to ask for that. You're going to get what you ask for if you're willing to do the work. But I find that one of the biggest gaps is we don't ask. We ask based on a limited, um, like a limited uh, vision, a, a scarcity mindset. So while we get it, we're still struggling because we 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 missed the boat from the very beginning of the conversation. Mm. So good. Just- you're spitting wisdom right there. There's so many <laughs> opportunities for you to learn uh, listeners from that. There's so many things that you can carry over uh, no matter what uh, you're in. I mean, no matter if you're running some teeny little side hustle, some massive thing, the mindset is going to catch up with us. Melissa, this is so good, so helpful. I'm curious, um, a couple of good pieces of advice that you've received around money and then a couple of really poor pieces of advice that you've received around money. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I've been around long enough to have both. (laughs) Let me pick one of them. Haven't we all? People spit advice all the time. 
Um, as it pertains to money, when I was an undergrad, I had a professor actually say to follow your purpose, follow your passion, the money will come. It is actually true. I think one of the caveats is that you need to know how to um, be able to, uh, when the money is coming, what does that look like for you? You have an opportunity to find that. But that was really good advice because I was very impressionable at that age. And I did follow that. And it has worked out for me. Um, the worst advice, oh, and also you have failed only when you have failed to try. That's another good thing that I, I I really carry with myself. The reason why that was important for me is that um, being an African-American woman, oftentimes there's a, a lot of messaging out there and it's like, oh, I don't deserve to be there or what would they listen to me? And I, I, I let those conversations in my head go to the wayside. And I said, you know what? I've only failed if I failed to try. I'm not going to say no to myself. I'm going to ask for what I want. And then if they say no, then that's on them. That's not on me. At least I gave it my all. Yep. So I don't close the door on myself. I, I would rather have the doors closed on me. And honestly, the doors don't really close. They haven't closed on me like that. The only doors that close on me are the ones that were not for me. And it directed me to the doors that were for me. So that's one thing there. As far as bad advice. Um, I mean, I've had any advice that goes around the fact that you have to dim your light to make other people feel comfortable mm. is bad advice. Mm. Any advice that says, oh, well, you're doing too much. Or, you know, or, um, you know, when it comes to, oh, that's it. That's too, why would you invest in that? You know, like, cause they're not your tribe. Like they don't understand your goals. So don't take advice from people that are not where you're looking to go mm. and be mindful of the conversations that you're in, because there is a difference between a four figure conversation is not a five figure conversation. A five figure conversation is absolutely not a six figure conversation. And a seven figure conversation is not a six figure conversation. So what conversations are you surrounding yourself in, in order to move in your life? And I would say anything for me was bad advice was people that are well-intentioned and even highly educated sometimes mm -hmm. that was basically undermining my purpose. And they were really kind of telling me to dim my light. Like, okay, if I wanted to be a doctor, we'll be a physical therapist first. Like, oh my gosh, like anything that's telling you like, oh, you really want to do that? Well, go ahead and be and do that. Get a real job before you pursue that. That will take you away from anything that you're really looking to do. Either one is hard. So you might as well do the one that's going to really feed your soul, fuel your soul and fuel your legacy. That's worth the work. That's worth the commitment. That's amazing. Well, Melissa, thanks for what you do. The passion you bring is clear, is evident. I'm so glad you didn't go for small. You went for big. And I love <laughs> what you're doing. We're getting to experience. Where can people find you online? Where can people learn from you and all this wisdom you have to spit at us? Oh, well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Alan. And before I share that, I wanted to say thank you, Alan, for the place that you, the space that you hold in this world. Thank you for being a light because your heart's all in this. And when you are serving your clients, you are all in. I love how you are very discerning about who you bring to bring in front of your tribe. That means a lot. And so I just want to say thank you for who you are. Um, the way that people can find out more about me, like I said, we have a, I have a documentary. You can find that at liverageforwealth.com. If you want to find out how to work with me or learn more about where I'm showing up in life, that will be on melissahughes.com. And if you're looking for me on social media, I am Melissa Hughes. I am Melissa Hughes. Awesome. Thanks again, Melissa. A new friend. Thanks for what you do. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Alan. Me too. Shot, shot, we focus so long.